Hello, this is Zandi Hicks. This podcast is called Bold, Brave, and Daring because, well, that's already inside of you. You can choose to be bold, brave, and daring every day of your life. And this podcast teaches you how to walk through life with God, Him showing you how to become bold, brave, and daring. This podcast is like letters from God Himself. So stay tuned because I know that He wants to speak right to you. Hey y'all, so today is letter 18, and I referenced it in letter 17, but this is my favorite letter in the book so far, and this one I remember, it always interests me, and since I'm writing a book on marriage currently, I am just amazed that this letter is so prevalent today. It has tricked so many people. It talks about the state of being in love, quote unquote, and then falling out of love, And I mean, how many times have we heard that in the last 20 years? A ton. I'm going to start reading. It says, The enemy's demand on humans takes the form of a dilemma, either complete abstinence or unmitigated monogamy. Ever since our father's first great victory, we have rendered the former very difficult to them. The latter for the last few centuries, we've been closing up as a way of escape. We have done this through the poet's and novelists by persuading the humans that a curious and usually short-lived experience, which they call being in love, is the only respectable ground for marriage. That marriage can and ought to render this excitement permanent. That a marriage which does not do so is no longer binding. This idea is our parody of an idea that came from the enemy. So, God's plan for us is either complete abstinence or marriage. And, you know, to distort God's plan, one of the ways has been to get people to believe that being in love is the grounds for marriage and that this feeling has to be permanent. But then when it's not permanent anymore, the marriage isn't binding anymore. You don't have to be in it. It's just crazy to me because that is so true about how people feel about marriage. It said the enemy has done this through poets and novelists, which is so true. And today I would add in TV, movies, and social media. Like all of that portrays that marriage is about being in love and having this just infatuation. I love that it says this idea is a parody of an idea that came from God. It was God's idea from the beginning for men and women to be married and for them to become one in marriage. It goes on to say that God wants us all to be one, that the good for one person is the good for another that we celebrate each other and we mourn with each other and we're connected because of love. After all, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are three in one. And then this next part really gets me. It says, He has also made the offspring dependent on the parents and given the parents an impulse to support it, thus producing the family, which is like the organism, only worse. For the members are more distinct, yet also united in a more conscious and responsible way. The whole thing, in fact, turns out to be simply one more device for dragging in love. So family was created for love, and we need to be distinctly ourselves, yet one as a family united by love. It's beautiful how God designed it. All right, now here's the crazy part. It says, now comes the joke. The enemy, which is God, described a marriage couple as one flesh. He did not say a happily married couple or 
a couple who's married because they were in love, but you can make the humans ignore that. You can also make them forget that the man they call Paul did not confine it to married couples. Mere copulation for him makes one flesh. You can thus get the humans to accept as rhetorical eulogies of being in love what were in fact plain descriptions of the real significance of sexual intercourse. The truth is that wherever a man lies with a woman, there, whether they like it or not, a transcendental relation is set up between them, which must be eternally enjoyed or eternally endured. From the true statement that this transcendental relation was intended to produce, and if obediently entered into, too often will produce affection in the family, humans can be made to infer the false belief that the blend of affection, fear, and desire, which they are called being in love, is the only thing that makes marriage either happy or holy. The error is easy to produce because being in love does very often precede marriages which are made in obedience to the enemy's design, that is, with the intention of fidelity, fertility, and goodwill, just as religious emotion very often, but not always, attends conversion. In other words, the humans are to be encouraged to regard as the basis for marriage a highly colored and distorted version of something the enemy really promises as its result. Two advantages follow. In the first place, humans who have not the gift of contentness can be deterred from seeking marriage as a, as a solution because they do not find themselves quote-unquote in love. And thanks to us, the idea of marrying with any other motive seems to them low and cynical. Yes, they think that. They regard the intention of loyalty to a partnership for mutual help, for the preservation of chastity, and for the transmission of life as something lower than a storm of emotion. In the second place, any sexual infatuation whatsoever, so long as an intense marriage, will be regarded as love. And love will be held to excuse a man from all the guilt and to protect him from all the consequences of marrying a heathen, a fool, or a wanton. I don't know why it says wanton, but that's what it says. So I know that was a lot of reading, but there's so much insight there. Marriage is not based on being in love. I'm just going to tell you that. That's not the only reason to get married. And that has been such a deceiving thing. I mean, I even thought that when I got married, like I knew there was more to it. But I thought, oh, we're so in love. That's why we're getting married. But you get married because you make each other better. It's for showing some someone tender devotion. It's for spending your life with someone and having someone to walk with you through the hard troughs and peaks and mountaintop moments. It's for intimacy and being together sexually because then the devil can't tempt you outside of your marriage when you protect that. And like you said in the letter, the truth is that wherever a man lies with a woman, there, whether they like it or not, a transcendental relation is set up between them. I had to look that word up because it is a big word, but it means spiritual beyond ordinary experience, which sex is and God designed it that way. But that's part of being married. That's part of getting to enjoy that. And outside of marriage, you're eternally bonded and then you can't enjoy that because you're not with the person. Being in love does not make a marriage happy either because it said that in there of make sure that people think that oh, this is supposed to make me happy, and when it doesn't make them happy anymore, they're no longer binded. Factually, the infatuation stage of a relationship only lasts six months to two years on average. And then after that, it takes work, it takes time, and it takes effort to keep a marriage going. 
It takes daily effort. It takes prayer and loving like Ephesians talks about when you are staying together and you want and you want to live in a joy-filled marriage. Ephesians 5:27 says, "All that he does, God, in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without fault or flaw." That whole paragraph where Paul's talking, he's talking about loving relationships and that's where it says, for wives, this means being tenderly devoted to your husbands, like you're tenderly devoted to our Lord. And then it talks about the husbands, you're to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. We're designed in marriage to make each other more mature in our walk with Christ. So that's God's design for marriage, not what the world says, not this being in love. And then First Corinthians I'm sure you've heard it read in marriage ceremonies, but the Holy Spirit reminds me about it a lot. It says, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honestly and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. I love the Passion Translation because it's so unique. It's not as easy to remember as the normal translation that people read, where it's just like, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. And that's good to remember in moments where marriage is really hard. But like it said in the letter, where it said, thanks to us, the demons, the idea of marrying with any other motive than being in love seems to them low and cynical. Yes, they think that. We cannot be that low. We cannot think like that. We have to think of all the things that I read to you and the reason that God actually designed marriage. The last part of this letter is what we have in our society right now, where any sexual infatuation so long as it intends marriage, where you're like, oh, we plan on getting married, that's regarded as an excuse for a man to not have guilt or a woman to not have guilt about having sex outside of marriage. And that, that's just not true. God designed sex only for marriage to protect us. It's to protect our minds because when we have sex with someone, you're connecting with them, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It's scientifically proven that your brain is bonding with that person. So to keep you safe mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, God designed it to be your spouse. And marriage creates a safe place where you know this person is committed to me. They're connecting with me every day, and they made vows to me, and they want to be with me, and they're working at this. We can't let the world's imitation of marriage and sex be our design for it. It's God's original design that keeps marriage holy and matures us as believers. So you can tell why this is my favorite letter. I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about the meaning of marriage and God designing it for specific reasons and keeping it that way, not letting it be distorted by the world and what society is telling us it is, but letting it be how it's designed to be by the creator himself. So Letter 18 is awesome. 
and I look forward to talking to you guys in letter 19. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. Bold, Brave, and Daring is all about making you bold, brave, and daring. Like I say, because it's already inside of you and God wants to show that to you. So if you have any questions, please DM me, message me. I would love to hear your questions or about what God has done in your life. So let me know, comments, and I love you. And I hope that you have a wonderful week.